Hey, man, fam. Hey, VIPs. Welcome back in for another extended weekly recommends episode. Yeah, we should call this maybe bi-weekly recommends or monthly recommends at this point because we, we we don't get to it nearly as much as we used to. The format of the show has, has changed due to the the COVID and and... Movies not being out and doing throwback episodes. Not familiar. Is that a punk rock band or what is Mm -hmm. the COVID? The COVID? I'm sure it will be. (laughs) Be very soon. Most popular baby name of 2020. (laughs) Quarantina. Oh, no. (laughs) Rona and COVID. Twins, Rona and COVID, were born (laughs) in quarantine, in a bathtub. Well, we're glad you're here. Speaking of that, wear a mask, people. Wear masks, save lives. It's pretty much that simple. I hope everyone's staying safe out there. And hopefully we can get back to normally scheduled programming very soon with some theatrical releases, things like that. If we're all safe and we all mask up, then we'll get there even sooner. So remember that next time we're talking about a bad movie. (laughs) But for this episode, we got an extended recommends. And I want to say thank you to our VIPs for, for supporting we just did a little Seinfeld season four retrospective talk, which was great. It went about an hour, a lot of a lot of great memories of Seinfeld, and we're doing every season of Seinfeld this year over on that feed. So if you're a Seinfeld fan, you want to hear our thoughts on that. We're, we got that popping over there. We got AMAs. We got throwback episodes happening weekly. Daily recommends happening randomly. So it's a great time. Mm-hmm. It's a great community as well over on our Discord. We got a July movie challenge going on over there Mm. where you basically watch a different movie every day of the month based on different criteria. And our VIPs have done an excellent job putting that together, taking the initiative to do that. And they're discussing all those movies on our Discord. So if you want access to that, if you want maybe pass some time during this July month, check that out at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And, you know, it not only helps you with more podcasts to download because there's a hundred or so, maybe more on our VIP feed that are pretty much all evergreen. They're all throwback episodes. They're all AMAs. They're all stuff that you can still listen to from a year ago. Uh, You know, a lot of vacations happening right now. A lot of people need road trip listening material, things like that. Not only helps you heading up to the Lake of the Ozarks, you bros in or (laughs) I'm good. I'm actually good right now. Maybe later this year though. I'll tight. I'll, it's going to be a... See you there. You're right. It's a little weak this weekend, but mm-hmm. pretty soon it'll be sick. So It also good. helps us keep the show going. So if no other reason for yourself, you want to be selfish and do it because you want to download all the stuff, go for it. It also helps keep our show free on the main feed for all these long extended weekly recommends, all the current movies that we do. The reason that those can be on the main feed is because we get the support of the VIPs to make it worth our time. So thank you so much to those people, and hopefully we'll we'll end this year, second half, on a great note with our VIPs. So join us over there, and that'll be fun. But for this episode, Extended Weekly Recommends, we're each going to give you three things to recommend. Could be a book, could be music, could be a movie, could be a show, could be anything that we endorse wholeheartedly. So let's start it off with Richard Barden, on recommend number one. All right. I've got a couple records here and a couple of books. What do you guys want first? 
Record, oh, let's record, go record, record. Yeah, let's mix it up. Well, oh, you know I gotta go. My my ladies in Heim for Women in Music Part Three. Been waiting on this one for several months. It got delayed because of COVID. And all three of us are big Heim fans. And uh, this album is nothing but bangers. Such a great pop rock album. It's like I don't know, like Cheryl Crow and. Fleetwood Mac and In Vogue all hung out mm-hmm. like it would be make this album and it's it's greatness. This is an all this is I'd be if anything beats this for album of the year in my book I will be surprised man. Every song from this as it's been building up for like a year now has been incredible mm-hmm. and the and the whole thing together is awesome. The musicianship is great, the production level is great, and the songwriting's the best. So yeah, it's my favorite band going right now. Like favorite band in their prime is Heim. Love it. Love the album. Couldn't love it more. What about you guys? What are your thoughts on this album? Have you heard it yet? I've only listened to Chase Rice so far for the last like uh, yeah, no, three, four weeks. Well, after so, the concert, I mean, right? Obviously, um, you know, when you see that live, you you're just inspired. You know, that's all you want to listen to. You understand? Um, talking God, talking Dr Pepper, talk whatever that's. Um. Yeah, dude, treat, it's, dude. it's great. Focus. I've only listened a little bit, uh, but but it's because I haven't gotten the album in yet. I need to I need to place my order and get that get that sucker in. And I'm weird about on a on a record that I know I'm gonna love, a band that I know I love. I'm gonna I'm gonna I don't want to listen until I'm listening to uh, the whole the whole album and such. So I'm a little weird about that. But the the songs that I've heard are fantastic. They are the they're the band of the year, I would say, for sure. Easily, every year, almost. So they're, they're incredible. Ken, I know yeah. you're a fan. You're a super fan. So. Yeah, I I thought they were called Haim, and that really that disappoints me because I thought they were in relation to Corey Haim, and now that that's <laughs> clearly not the case, I'm kind of out on them. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Only, you've seen my bedroom. It's Corey Haim, like... <laughs> yeah. Don't let Charlie Sheen. I was, wondering, yeah, I was wondering why Charlie Sheen like comes over a lot. But now I get two sides, it. two sides, two sides. And I'm by come over. I mean, never mind. All right, we're just gonna moving on. Anyway, Goodness. yeah, no, uh, r- really, I really like them. I, I caught wind of them. I don't know, probably around the time their first record, and then saw them live and and kind of. You know, saw them do SNL like way back in the day, um, and have been a, been a fan of theirs. I really like their style. I always, I always um, sort of, I guess, compared them to Wilson Phillips in a way. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, a for sure, if Wilson Phillips like played all their own instruments mm-hmm. and were just completely badass at uh, rock music instead of like pop music, but they certainly had that style. Mm-hmm. Like they, they they had a definitive style with those first two records, and it feels like this one they just kind of broke their own mold a little bit and stepped outside of that established what people expect from them um, sound, and I think that's all for the better because uh, you know you can only do that for so long probably unless you're doing radio, which you know their songs are on radio but they're not like on pop radio. So you and they should kinda... be, man, because they're so melodic. Like that's a real. I mean, I know everyone's like pop radio sucks, man, but even pop radio in its current construction really could really use some heim because there's such sure. great yeah. pop songs. In addition to awesome like rocker tracks too, but like there's no reason don't wanna can't be on some like cumulus Kiss FM radio station because mm-hmm. it's 
it's a better hook than anything you're going to hear from from anybody else. Yeah, for sure. But at the same time, there's this album is much more indie, much more stripped down, much more organic than their their past material, which I love that about them. Um, the fact that they kind of went that direction and makes me even more excited for the next record because hopefully they they embrace that a little bit more and you know don't go full pop i always i always worry with bands that get really popular really fast like they did that you know if if the ma- mainstream embraces you right off the top you do you have that that want to just go all the way with it you know the uh you know you start in country like Casey Musgraves and then you go just full pop eventually like Marin Morris like a Taylor Swift like those you know those types of artists do you kind of abandon where you came from in a sense. Uh, and so hopefully they don't go that far with it. Like, okay, we're just going to, we're going to work with Max Martin and we're going to mm-hmm. just write pop songs and we're just going to go for, go for, you know, the home run instead of like a solid double with every record we, we release. Uh, this one is certainly a home run. Um, best, best record I've heard this year in like a full, as an album, you know, like sure. you're right, Richard, there are some standout tracks. Mm-hmm. There's some great singles, but like, I think it works wonderfully as an album. Like, a, yeah. you know, it flows great. Um, the, the three songs that kind of got them through this past year of summer girl, um, hallelujah. And, um, now I'm in it aren't even on the record. I know. <laughs> and when I saw that, like I was like, Oh, track. this is going to be good. <laughs> Cause those three songs like are oh, now I'm in it is like the best pop song of the last three years. And they're yeah, like, yeah, it's three... just a single. Hallelujah is like a, like a all time, <laughs> oh, yeah. like a landslide level, like all timer. Yeah. Like it's so good. And when I, yeah, when I got, got the record and saw those three were as bonus tracks, I'm like, Oh dude, this is going to be awesome. Cause when those don't make the cut, you know, like something great. Mm-hmm. They chose over that, and and certainly that's the case. I'm with you. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great record. And I told Richard the only way it's not album of the year is if Rihanna releases her new album this Amen. year, and Amen, it might uh, might overtake it. But you know, with COVID and everything, I, I don't think a lot of albums are going to come out that weren't already scheduled to come out. I know because tour. I think yeah, they can't tour totally. totally. Um, so yeah, a lot of albums are already out or whatever. I mean, it was supposed to come out like in in April, but they delayed it. And I think it was supposed to even come out later in July, but they said, F it, we're going to just, let's just put it out in June. And ironically, Richard, they put it out on Tom, Paul Thomas Anderson's birthday and he <laughs> works a lot with them. Uh, yeah, he is the fourth time sister. Yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're funny. They're great. They're great follows on, on social media. And um, yeah, this is a, a band to definitely look out for if you're never heard of them. It's three, three sisters. And, um, they're super talented and they write great indie rock the, music. So the thing that's come to this album when then we'll move on to something else. Cause we talked too long. is like, obviously Dan, Danielle is a freak, like Prince level musician and songwriter. She's incredible. Um, and Esty's always been a great bass player kind of, but like Alana's really coming to her own, the youngest and like, is an awesome lead guitar player on a lot of songs and a lot of cool percussion and, and uh, keyboard tracks from her. So now you have like this other, Create you know, Alana's always been the band, always been great, but like she's now really coming to her own in terms of, and also like singing these harmonies on these rock songs. You go, oh my gosh, they just added 
it's like a baseball team that adds like a third starter that's like an mm-hmm. all-star you're like oh remember baseball it's a, it was a sport nope. in the 20th century but the um it's uh it's it's like oh, okay now they have this like loaded crazy roster and and uh it's awesome so yeah favorite band right now cool good recommend nice. uh brian what's yours first one i got a book a tv show and a movie which would you guys like let's go to, tv uh, show okay well my wife and i were on a little mini vacation this uh earlier part of this week and uh not a lot to do uh, as you may know, you can't go places, you can't do things. So we basically just had a nice hotel room and good food and that was it. And we watched a lot of TV, which is very much what I think both of us are most into when you have a kid who's got all this energy, especially right now, like having not had a break from with school or anything for so long with this like never ending spring break that we've been through. That is all that I think either of us really want to do is just hang out and, and watch shows and, uh, we should, we watched this show on Netflix called Marcella that it's spelled Marcella um and it's just a it's it's right like I was Marcella Swiley Uh-huh yeah exactly exactly that's how I pronounce it mm-hmm. um I was but I was talking to to Arby about this off the air because this is very much uh up your wife's alley for yeah, sure Yeah it's a Mrs. Barden show Yeah sure, this is yeah. a this is a British murder show Yeah um, she's a- and she, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure she will. Yeah, it's, it's got she has her uh, PhD in British murder. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, there are three seasons of it on Netflix now. The third season just came out like a week or so ago. Um, eight episodes, I think, per season. It's got Anna Friel, who you may remember from Pushing Daisies. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all ever watched that, that show. One of the, one of the all time, like, oh man, this would have been great in the Netflix era. And instead it just wasn't right for network TV kind of shows. Great, great little show. Um, in its first season, she's fantastic. Anyway, she just, she plays a former detective who is brought back to the force, uh, because essentially because a cold case murderer that she had been investigating previously has popped back up. And so they're trying to solve these old cases in addition to solving some new cases that are coming with it. Um, and also she has, because you have to have a hook obviously for a murder show like this. Um, she has some sort of, uh, blackout amnesia type thing. So she has these like moments where she wakes up, she doesn't remember what she has done, but she thinks she might be involved in, in these murders or something. So, um, anyway, we watched the first season. We're about halfway through the second season. Uh, first season was really good. Second season is it may be a little bit of a dip. It looks like on Rotten Tomatoes too. The the scores on it are a bit lower, but it's it's real bingeable and just very incredibly British and incredibly murdery. And if you like that kind of thing, which is like I don't know, ninety five percent of podcast listeners I think are super into <laughs> British murder shows. Yeah. So broad church podcast listener <laughs> yeah. Venn yeah. diagram it's, is just a circle. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's not nearly as high quality as as broad church was because broad church had. You know, Olivia Coleman and David Tennant, two of the greatest actors of the generation. So it can't be that good, uh, cause it doesn't have those two, but it's, uh, but it's, it's, it's super bingy and, and, uh, will fit whatever, uh, whatever you're looking for in the, in the British murder, tr- murder show sort of, uh, variety. You, you will, you, I'm certain you will, you will enjoy this if you're, if you're one of those people. So Marcella is it's called on Netflix. Marcella. Cool. Excellent. Kanto, what's yours, man? Yeah, I've got a book, a movie, and a TV show. Well, what would you? Let's go movies since we haven't yet. Okay, Brian. Um, on your uh, kind of 
what you were saying. Uh, mm -hmm. The wife and I also took a trip at uh, the beginning of June, little uh, weekday getaway trip. Um, my sister has an Airbnb uh, up in um, Lake Tahoe. Nice. So, nice. MamFam, if you're ever uh, trying to go there and need an <laughs> Airbnb, hit me up on, on the Twitter or something, and I'll, I'll point you in the right direction. It's a great spot, great little cabin up there. So we went up there just to literally like chill in the cabin, hike a little bit, you know, go hang out in, in nature, things like that. And so, um, I don't know if you do this, Brian, but this is certainly our move. Uh, we've done this, we did this on our honeymoon and, um, all that when we go to hotels and we go to, we go to music festivals and stuff or did, and, um, <laughs> you, you bring a little Roku stick, Yeah, throw that yeah. thing, throw that sucker in the, uh, in the hotel, uh, TV and, uh, boom, you've got the old, yeah. all your, your streaming services popping off. You got, I got my Plex, all my home media there. Mm -hmm. and all that man that's yeah, clutch. makes a big difference doesn't it super that's clutch. what we did we, we had a i just took the amazon fire stick from my from my office and plugged it into the hotel now the hotel had crappy wi-fi yeah that's because uh, it's a casino hotel they want you to go gamble um mm -hmm. so i had to run it off of the hotspot on my phone and and that went that was fine uh, yeah. but i did get a text at some point from at&t that was like uh you're about to run out of everything <laughs> You know, <laughs> to knock it off because yeah. this is pretty. This is pretty nuts. But yeah, I'm the yeah, opposite of you guys. I mean, just as to counter totally. audience, I pride myself. I'm eight years. <laughs> I think maybe around eight, maybe seven. I've never touched a TV in, in eight years in the hotel room. It's my point of pride. Really, I won't do it. Oh yeah, unless they have, you know, special programming. <laughs> <laughs> no, I obviously keep a full terabyte hard drive of my own. Yeah, yeah no, they you don't bring it. You physically bring. Yeah, the, exactly. The They're not going to have my particular interest like, yeah a lot <laughs> a lot of magazines um <laughs> very old magazines yeah it's all it's all scanned in <laughs> yeah. mid-century um centerfolds it's, it's um, like a trunk you would take on the titanic or yeah. something yeah it's a foot locker you have to so i gotta represent the other side of this i can't imagine bringing a roku but i'm glad you did because you watch cool stuff both of you so Dude, it, it worked out a little roku stick it's like 30 See, bucks my goal is i have two weird hotel things number one is spell the least amount of time in the room as possible i want to be out and doing stuff Number two, I clean the room. I want them to not even know I was there. I want to confuse <laughs> the the uh, the cleaning people that they're like, "What was anyone in here?" I used to when I used to travel for work two hundred days a year. I would just barely fold the bed down, climb in. I had a whole thing, and I would, I wanted to confuse them. I don't know why. It's a weird like OCD <laughs> thing. I don't even want to leave a mark. And touching the touching the remote and turning on the TV is leaving a mark. I just I like glide in and out. I'm basically Jason Bourne. <laughs> I'm with, I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I'm that way to a certain extent, but when it comes time for bed, like I can't stand being in a hotel and trying to find something to watch to go to bed or whatever. And then just, yeah. Yeah. it's all paid programming or like, you know, bad cable news or whatever it is. I just like being able to like, uh, I guess we're spoiled in that, in that regard, but Hey man, it's freaking awesome. The fact that we had the technology to be able to take a, flash drive that has all of those streaming services on there is, is freaking great. So, so we, we did that and we, we plugged it in and, uh, we had a little, I don't want to say movie marathon, but like we were there from Monday to Friday and every night we watched a different movie by this, by this filmmaker. And it's a really apt recommend right now because, um, you know, sad passing of American treasure, Carl Reiner. Mm. Um, this past weekend, 
you know, obviously, certainly one of the most devastating ATs to die. I mean, he's in his 90s, but still, I mean, Richard and I were talking in, in April, and like, I think the one that, you know, John Prine had died of COVID, and the first thing I said was, protect Carl Reiner. Like, <laughs> Carl Reiner has to get through this, you know? Like, if he gets through this, he might be invincible. Um, I don't know if he died of anything COVID-related and or anything like that, but um, the reason I bring him up, because um, the movies we watched were by his son, Rob Reiner. And so we did a little Rob Reiner movie marathon. I mean, the wife, she hadn't seen a lot of them. Like she had, she'd seen Princess Bride and had heard of a lot of the other movies. Like, um, um, you know, we, we watched with Harry Met Sally, but she, she hadn't seen Misery. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she had seen Step, Stand By Me. Yeah. A couple of different ones. Spinal Tap. She hadn't uh, seen. Yeah. So we, Few Good Men. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Those are the ones we watched. So, um, you know, gotta recommend. Obviously, gotta recommend Spinal Tap. I watched that um, right after we we rewatched that right after uh, Fred Willard passed because Fred Willard's in in uh, this Spinal Tap, and so that's what got us talking about Rob Reiner as a director. And she was like, "Oh, I want to go back and watch all his movies." And so we made plans for. Well, I thought, okay, when we go out of town, we'll, we'll rewatch him and we'll do the whole thing in order. And it was great, man. Just, you're right, Richard. I mean, from, from 84 to 92, his run was, this is Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. And then right after that was The American President, which is another really strong, yeah. strong movie. But, um, Did, gosh, what a run. That, but who cares? What a run. Yeah, man. Like, good Good lord, what a what a run! I mean, those those uh, first six movies. I mean, those those six from eighty four to ninety two. I mean, those are mm-hmm. like all timers, you know. <laughs> like uh, you, any average director makes The Princess Bride, they can retire, you know, or makes When Harry Met Sally or Stand by Me or Spinal Tap. Like those are fantastic movies. Um, I think he really kind of knows family movies in a way, or like mass audience movies. Yeah. For sure. Um, and so that, that really works. And spinal tap is just on another level of satire and mockumentary. There's so much to love about that one. Stand by me is so touching. Obviously he, he did the Stephen King thing again with misery, but when Harry met Sally is an absolute, an absolute masterpiece. So is the princess bride. I mean, those, all those movies are just fantastic and they hold up super well. Um, and so the other thing I recommend is just Rob Reiner's filmography. Go back and watch those. Those are those are great, and, and they hold up really well. And and do it in honor of Carl, if no one else. Just right. say, Carl, thank you for for creating this person that made these. We appreciate that. Carl's got a great great filmography of his own, but Rob, I mean, good grief, that's a uh, that's yeah. pretty impressive, man. And Quite he knew when to stop too. Like sure. he didn't wear out his welcome either. You know. Yeah, no, yeah, he's made a few here and there since, but yeah, but they he hasn't insisted, you know, or maybe the industry hasn't insisted that he keep he keep making them because he did that LBJ movie a couple years ago, and then shock and awe, he's gotten a little more political with it, and it, mm-hmm. the results have been uh, lesser. So he did that Diane Keaton Michael Douglas movie that was like weird rom com, one of those yes. old people rom com. It was like so it goes or something. He's done, but yeah. but. But you're right. There's nothing about you know. Kind of, kind of ends with Ghosts of Mississippi. After that, it, it gets a little 
rough because he did Bucket List too, didn't he? It was a lot. Of, it's a lot of like old people movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you're right, eighty four to ninety two, or even ninety five. If you go American yeah. President, I know there's North in between there, which wasn't oh. wonderfully received. <laughs> so if you just take out North, I mean, literally, yeah, and maybe the Sure thing in eighty five. You go Spinal Tap, Stand by Me, Princess Bride, Harry Met Sally, Misery, A Few Good Men, The American President. Not bad. Mm-hmm. It's always good to work with Sorkin too late late in your run that you know peak coked up Sorkin is probably uh pretty fun for a director. Cool. Yeah. Great rack. So this That's is my movie rack. Uh just those that run of of movies. Okay. 84 to we'll 92. Uh, I'll, Rob I'll Reiner canon. Yeah, Rob Reiner in his in his glory days. I'll uh, I'll yeah. say that. It's great. So there you go. Love Rob Reiner. Great great one. Good rack. All right, uh Richard, what's your next one? Yeah, I have another album, but I'll save it. I'll just do some books. Um, I'll do two here, then I'll do one to bring it home. So the two I'm going to do are uh, are uh, Weird by Olga Kazan. Olga Kazan is a Russian-Jewish immigrant. She's about our age, maybe a little younger, um, who immigrated to Texas uh, and then was, was raised in West Texas and then here in Dallas and then... Um, and then went to went to school in the East Coast and became a journalist for The Atlantic and is a wonderful journalist. But this book, Weird, is a really cool kind of sociological, kind of Gladwellian study on what it means to be weird. It's kind of half memoir, half these little journalistic exposés about weirdness, like how to how not fitting in in a certain scenario, and the scenarios are kind of vast, can be an advantage, um, how to be comfortable in your own skin, things like that. So it's a really cool book. Um, I really liked it. I really liked her perception of it. I really liked her writing style. Um, so Olga Kazan and weird if you're looking for kind of a an interesting 2020 read i think this is a good one awesome nice nice very good can always count on you for some books recommends awesome. oh yeah i got one more i said i would do one more and that end with one pardon me another one is no filter by sarah fryer i think i'm saying that correct it's a kind of a if you like um if you like the accidental billionaires, which is the Facebook book. If you liked hatching Twitter, if you liked um, any of the other kind of technological books of the last uh, 15 years about how technology and social networks change the world. The last story to be told is really Instagram and no filter is the story of Instagram from its uh, rise in the Silicon Valley to its purchase by Facebook, what that meant to Instagram, what that meant to the digital media industry at large. If you're interested in technology, we're at Sarah, Technology Reads, Sarah Fryer or Sarah Freer, it's F-R-I-E-R, um, did a really great job reporting this and really fits into that canon, which I think have been great books over the last 15 years um, telling that story. So so I, I highly recommend that for a good little kind of business slash technology easy read um, on how Instagram uh, came to rule all of us in, in along with Facebook. It's a, it's a great piece. Any potential for a Aaron Sorkin adaptation of you know instagram. what's funny about the the instagram guys is they're kind of pretty boring dudes like one guy like his one vice is like man i just made a billion dollars i'm gonna get really into cycling you know he's not you know mm-hmm. it's like not the most cinematic of characters um i would obviously we'd all love a uh sequel to the social network if it could be done well and i think a big part of that would be really at a really smart time um, acquiring Instagram and what that meant to Facebook, right? In terms of, of getting a young user base and what it meant in terms of totally renovating the way they looked at ads, the way they looked at user experience, integrating that into this overall Facebook platform, et cetera, et cetera. That would be interesting as sort of a side B plot, but I don't think there's a total, total 
cinematic story here, but it's a really quick and easy read in terms of um, the the nuts and bolts of it, how Instagram came about, what the ethos was, what the ethos became, what it means now, because both founders have since left Facebook after the acquisition and and, and all that. So, yeah. Nice. I'll check that one out. I love those um, those kinds of books. Me too. If you ever read Hatching out. Twitter by Nick Bilton, it's, yeah. it's really good too. He's the same guy that did the Silk Road book. Um, yeah. He he his his stuff's some of my favorite. His reporting's really good, but this one's excellent as well. Cool. Put on the list. No filter. All right, uh, Brian. Next one. I'm going to give you a movie here. I'll say my book recommendation for the end. Uh, I uh, I watched. The, we had a couple of people tweet at us about this, and maybe a couple would put it in the Discord as well. Uh, talking about a movie called The Vast of Night on Amazon. Ah, yeah. Have you watched this yet, Kent? I have. Yes, dude. I loved this. I was, I was, uh, I, I expected very little. I put it on while I was like working out or something. But I, I eventually, I found myself like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait and watch where I can like really watch this because it's really solid. Um, it's a, it's set in the 50s. It's like a sci-fi. It's a little tiny sci-fi movie, is what it amounts to. But it's very classic. I, I said in the Discord, it reminded, it felt like if. David Lowry made a Spielberg movie. Like it had vibes mm. from both of those directors. And I don't mean it was as good as either of them, but just from a vibe standpoint, it really it fit both of their aesthetics and their the way that they like to tell stories and it was it was really well done. And it's done on a nothing budget. This guy Andrew Patterson is the director. This is literally his first credit. I assume the budget was like $10,000. I mean, it's really, really low, low budget, really well done though. And, uh, it's set in the fifties and they got all the, the time period stuff done really well, I thought. And it's anyway, I don't want to give it away, but it's, it's just a, it's basically two characters, um, who one of them is a, a, a telephone operator, an overnight telephone operator essentially. And she, uh, she hears this weird sound that comes across the radio um, where her, her friend is, is, uh, or her crush or something is, is he's sort of a late night drive driving, uh, or a trucker DJ essentially playing records and stuff and talking to people. She, and they hear this weird sound come across the radio and, uh, then start trying to discover what it is and, and what made the noise. And, and it's, you know, it's very, it's alien stuff and things like that, but it's, it's just, I was really impressed with how well it was done. And, um, and the way that that uh, that he told this story with so little resources to to work with, it was it was really cool. I'm and I'm if nothing else, I was like I'm very excited to see what this guy does next because he seems some like somebody who would be primed to be picked up by a studio to do you know a big movie next time around because he he really seemed like he has the the chops for it. So I was I was very impressed. And it's on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it for free if you have Amazon and stuff. And um, and it's I mean, look, we haven't seen very many movies this year, so take it with a grain of salt but it's right now it's pretty locked in at like way top three or four at the moment of the year it was really i was very impressed with it yeah i thought it was i thought it was solid um you know that that sequence with the the young lady as the switchboard operator it's like a eight minute ten minute mm-hmm. shot mm-hmm. of her just like basically working the phones as a switchboard and like trying yeah. to figure out the sound it's really well done a lot. They he asked a lot of these actors, you know. Mm-hmm. And there's For another sure. scene with a an older woman who is talking about her experience with the paranormal. That's that's really well done too. I thought the movie. 
I thought the setting was great in like this 1950s South, basically, mm-hmm. like yeah. like high school in the 50s. But I thought that it looked like a little hazy. I don't know if it was just my TV or what, mm-hmm. but like I thought it looked like a little bit, I don't know. Uh, like you could tell that this was somebody who was like the first time out kind of thing, you know? Yeah, like, I got that too. I, I, I felt like- In a good way. I'm just, yeah, I, I maybe I'm giving it a pass, but I felt like it was- this is the way that I can create this vibe and this environment with my iPhone, you know, right. versus if, what, if I had like real equipment and stuff, I, and I'm not, not to say he shot this, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. very low budget. And this is the way I'm just going to throw it through a filter and that's how yeah, I can Yeah. That, that's a good, that's a good word is, is a filter. I mean, it felt like they, cr- he crushed the blacks in this movie, basically mm-hmm. meaning all the black on the screen, like appears as kind of gray, you know? And that's, I mean, that's a, that's a color correction thing. That's an aesthetic yeah. that he went for, and that's fine. I, I didn't didn't really take away from my enjoyment of the movie. I certainly see potential in this guy. I looked him up afterward, and it said he was a. It's funny because it's kind of like me. He's he was a video guy for the Oklahoma City Thunder or something. And well, like well, now, I, I hate it. That's too bad. Yeah, that's too bad. <laughs> and like uh, the only thing unrecommend unrecommend. <laughs> only thing he had done was was like production work for the for the Oklahoma City Thunder and basically like had this idea forever and spent a year writing it with his friend and then ended up making it in 2016 and then tried to get it in film festivals for like years mm-hmm. and said that he submitted it to like over 15 film festivals and got rejected from all of them and then he finally got into slam dance which is like the the <laughs> offshoot, uh, you know, the the evil stepchild of Sundance, and uh, ended up winning like one of the awards there. And then, who was at the festival at the same time as him was um, Steven Soderbergh because he was promoting oh. and screening that High Flying Bird movie last year. Mm. And so Steven mm. Soderbergh was there, saw the movie, and was I guess blown away by it, or saw the potential in this guy. And so Steven Soderbergh has kind of taken this guy under his wing and I guess is going to kind of show him the the ropes on the industry side of things because he's super fresh, but but you can tell he has like really raw talent. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm excited to see what this guy does. And I think he did, I think it was the LA Times, one of those papers that Soderbergh did in, like an interview with this guy that's worth, uh, it's worth checking out. But nice. yeah. yeah, the movie's called The Vast of Night. It's 90 minutes long. It's kind of like, yeah, perfect. E. T. Close Encounters, yeah. Stranger mm-hmm. Things yeah. kind of style. Right. Um, Super Eight. Yeah, Super, Super 8, Eight is what it did remind me of a lot. Um, yeah, but yeah, man, really, really well done for somebody who hasn't done anything really before. Mm-hmm. And yeah, totally, totally. Uh, yeah, rough around the edges, but in a good way. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, one of my favorites of the year too. Yeah, for sure. Good nice. recommend. The Vast of Night. Now it's on Amazon Prime. All right, I'm going to recommend a book I've been actually reading a lot this year. I've probably read this year more than I ever have because you know, quarantine and that that whole thing. And I actually got like my iPad mini that I had like given to my, my parents like years ago because I wasn't using it, but I got it back before I went on my honeymoon because I wanted to load it up with like eBooks. Mm -hmm. So I've loaded it up with like a a ton of eBooks. And one of the ones that I've um, been reading or 
did read a couple months ago was called Best Movie Year Ever. I don't know if you guys have. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This one's about. I have this on my shelf, man. I haven't, I haven't read. You haven't it read yet. it? It's oh probably, yeah, yeah. You would really like book, it. I think it's yeah. by Brian Rafferty. It's called Best Movie Year Ever: How 1999 Blew Up the Big Screen. And really, what it's about is what it says: How 1999 became this year of like cult classic movies, movies that underperformed, but ultimately found success later on. Uh, and, you know, a couple of examples of that would be, you know, obviously the matrix was a big success, but they have a, a chapter on the matrix and just how that was made uh, election, uh, the sixth sense, um, Blair Witch Project is a big player in this one. Fight Club is a really good chapter on Fight Club. Roan Lola Run is in there. Uh, the mm. Iron Giant. So there's like basically a chapter on each um, movie and how mm. they've started, how they, you know, behind the scenes elements. And it's super interesting. I was really, really, I really enjoyed this movie a lot. I mean, I enjoyed this book a lot. And, you know, I'm a sucker for books about movies for sure, but. This was done in a way where you still got to read the big goodbye book or whatever. I do need was. to read that. Yeah, yeah. That one was killer. Yeah, this one um, maybe a little more my wheelhouse, just because it's like recency bias. I've seen all these movies sure. mainly already, and I need to probably uh, yeah a little easier to read. But it was super short, super easy, super fun, and gosh, I didn't know a lot of stuff about a lot of these movies that I thought I did, you know, and I've done this podcast mm. for almost a decade now and, and, uh, still learned a lot. So yeah, definitely check it out. Best movie year ever. How 1999 blew up the big screen by Brian Rafferty. I definitely looked at 1999 and through a different lens after, after this. And just the Blair Witch story alone is, is crazy, you know? Talk about an amateur movie, Brian. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah. They made that for almost nothing, and and you know, obviously, it became what it became. But yeah, in, insane and super interesting to read uh, all the backstory on that. So, Cruel Intentions is another one on here. Office Space. There's a chapter on Office Space. But so yeah, a lot of a lot of nice. good movies in 1999, and and um, this this book kind of skims over that uh, really well. Best movie year ever is the book. Sweet, check that out. What's your next one, Brian? Uh, my last one is a book as well. It's called The Cost of These Dreams by Wright Thompson. Um, Wright Thompson is a, a sports writer for ESPN. He did some work at Grantland as well. I think Sports Illustrated too, if I remember correctly. Um, he's one of my favorite writers. I think he does long form as well as, if not better than than anybody in, in the sports writing business. He's just a... He's a, he has a fantastic writing voice. Um, he has a great speaking voice too. I love his, he he's got this very regal Southern gentleman sort of, but not, not over, overly drawly, I guess. I don't know. It's hard. It's kind of hard to describe. I, I will tell you, I started reading this in book form. And as I was reading like the first chapter, I was like, ah, I kind of just want, I want to hear him read this to me. And so I, I got the audio book instead because I, I wanted to listen to because I just, I love his voice so much. But yeah. He's a very distinct voice. Um, on the page, he can get a little bit, uh, I don't know. He can get a little bit pretentious at times, but when he's on his game, I just think he's, he's just an incredible writer and he does long form so well. And so this is a collection of his writing yeah. from various publications, mostly ESPN and a little, I think maybe one or two at Grantland, but there's a theme to it. All of the, all of the pieces here are 
um, about greatness and sacrifice and, and what it costs to, to try to, you know, to try to get your dream, to try to achieve your dream. So like the first essay is about, this is one of the ones I had read previously was he wrote for ESPN about, um, Michael Jordan on his 50th birthday. And it was just about, that's very timely now with like the last dance and everything, but about Michael Jordan trying to come to grips with what his legacy is having, you know, finished his playing career 10 years previously and things like that. And, but there's a big, big, long, long essay on, uh, New Orleans, the city of New Orleans, 10 years out from Katrina. There's one on Pat Riley. There's one about Ole Miss and it's racial history and things like, I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a great collection of, of sports writing, um, from a guy who, who really gets storytelling really incredibly well. So, um, you can pick this up in, in book form, but if you have Audible or whatever you use to listen to audiobooks, I, I think I would recommend the audiobook over the book book, awesome. uh, just because his voice is, is so great and it's, uh, it's a great listen. Um, but yeah, you know, th- this kind of, this kind of writing is so right up my alley and you know how I'm, how easily emotional I am, but like half the, half of these stories, I, I, I think I found myself kind of tearing up and stuff because he's just such a powerful writer um, and, and puts these, these phrases together that just, I mean, they're just designed to make me cry, but not in an emotional terrorism kind of way. And, uh, yeah, anyway, it's a, it's a great book. And, uh, I, I think, I think both of you guys would enjoy it and hopefully, uh, some of our listeners, uh, as it's well. It's been on my list for the last year or so. Whenever it came out, I've been pushing that and that David Grand book of his, mm. uh, you know, short, not short form, but non, non novels or non book like stuff. Sure. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to move this up. By your recommended, nice. finally, nice. finally knock out. I'm excited. I will say too. Last thing, I'm sorry, I went forever on that, but I, I do think it is. I don't know, Richard. You've probably read some of these pieces. Maybe you can attest mm-hmm. to this or or tell me I'm wrong. But I don't think you have to be a sports fan to dig what he yeah, writes. Yeah, no. He, I mean, he kind of fits into that. You know, Buzz Bissinger, kind of of his generation yes. type writer right, for sure. Right. Who wrote Friday Night Lights for those who don't know? But but right. yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. Most of his stuff is like a really good 30 for 30. Yeah. I yeah. think so. Like, even if you're not into Michael Jordan or the new Orleans saints or, or whatever, most of them, well, the thing about athletes or musicians or, or politicians or whatever is that they're always, almost always, if they're, if they're great, truly mm-hmm. huge character archetypes. Right. And so, sure. Um, it's, it's always, uh, it's always, that's why profiles of them often work. And if they're, if it's done by a great writer, it's sort of universal, whether or not you care about their mm-hmm. particular craft at or not. For sure. Yeah, great rack. Nice. What's yours though, Arby? What's your last one? Yeah, I got one more here. Um, mine is, a, it's actually two books, but it's one story. It's a two-volume book. I highly recommend it. You know, I've kind of gotten into these these history books, and I've done a lot of um, presidents and and uh, or political figures or whatever, and th- and, I, and I really liked like, that aforementioned book on, on the, on the on Chinatown that I did that really was, it was technically about Chinatown, but it was really about this whole time in the late sixties and early seventies in Hollywood. And, uh, so I kind of, I happened upon these, I read why Sinatra matters last year, which is a really small little book that came out right after he died. And I, I'd really like to know more about Sinatra. And so these, these books, uh, by James Kaplan, and like I said, it's a two volume piece. It's the first volume is called Frank, the voice. The second volume is called Sinatra, the chairman and it tells the story, you know, of Sinatra across two volumes in it. But what it mostly tells is the story of the 20th century and everything he was tied up in. Um, not unlike LBJ, 
um, one of these people that is involved in in Hollywood, obviously, in music and the jazz scene in New York and politics and like the Kennedy assassination and the Kennedy, you know, um, it's it's someone that's like this sort of Forrest Gumpian character, as we mentioned earlier, uh, across a full 20th century. And then, oh, by the way, one of the greatest singers of all time and won an Oscar for From Here to Eternity and this really interesting Hollywood career, too, and, and the whole Ava Gardner thing. Oh, my God, the drama in that. And so um, it's a really, really well-done biography, immaculately and impeccably researched. Uh, I, I enjoyed every every sentence of it, really well-written, and it was cool to really watch. I love the way they split they, the book. The first book ends right when he comes back. You know, he's kind of this great jazz singer, biggest singer in the world, and he kind of falls off and is kind of lame. And then he wins the Oscar for, for From Here to Eternity, and now he's back. And then the second book just kicks off with him being the Sinatra that we all know, for mm. those of us who lived you know, after his reign as this sort of uh, the the king of, of, of swing. So, um, yeah, so it's a great, great one-two punch of books, really well done. James Kaplan is the author. So it's, again, Frank the Voice, Sinatra the Chairman, highly recommend. Nice. Frank the Tank. That's right. <laughs> need that book. Awesome. I, I got one more recommend, and we'll wrap this thing up. I got a TV show to recommend. I think I recommended it back in um, – beginning of the year but it's relevant now and uh, a lot of people are talking about it finally visiting it the season's wrapped up so it's easy to binge things like that did you, did you guys ever watch uh the watchman reboot i did yeah yeah i haven't yet but it's not i would actually like to um so yeah, yeah. i watched that at the very beginning of of quarantine mm-hmm. um and sat, and I mean, I watched it all in one, you know, not one day, but in maybe maybe two or three days. I binged it really fast. It was outstanding. Yes, so. very very well done. Great reimagining, but it's certainly very relevant right now because of the protests that are going on. A big part, I won't spoil it, but a big part of the plot has to do with the Tulsa massacre, uh, you know, Tulsa Wall Street uh, massacre. And so it centers on that, but also like police intervention, um, vigilanteism, protests, things like that. Uh, there's, you know, even the, the police in the show like wear face masks. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is like pre-COVID when it came out. It's very weird how a lot of this is, is sort of coming to fruition now and, it, it, you know, kind of telling the, the tale of, of 2020 – but aside from that, aside from how relevant it is to what's going on in the real world, it's a great adaptation of source material that's, you know, quote unquote, unfilmable by a lot of standards. And I thought Damon Lindelof did a a great job of of reimagining this for a new generation. And you do kind of have to know a little bit about Watchmen to to get it. And I would I would recommend maybe seeing the seeing the movie or maybe reading the graphic novel or just go on YouTube and look for like Watchmen summary and just kind of familiarize yourself with the basic story of Watchmen because it does kind of throw you in there without much exposition, but man, Mm. some great performances and hopefully there's another season. They've said that there's not going to be one. If there's not, then fine. But, you know, I certainly think that they could, they could do something with another season. I know I want to see where it goes, after this, but, um, man, mm-hmm. kept me guessing the whole time. And the way it ends is, is great too. You're just like, Oh wow. I did not see that, see that coming. And 
um, I was just kind of blown away by it to be, to be quite honest with you. I knew it was going to be good. Yeah. I expected it to be good because it's HBO and you have high expectations, but I thought it was much more smart than it had the right to be. You know, mm-hmm. it could have been just acceptable or one of these throwaway HBO miniseries, but I feel like people are going to be talking about this one for a while. Um, a lot of people are just now coming around to it because it's being tweeted about a lot because of uh, yeah. the parallels, but yeah, it's, it's free great. right now too. That's part oh, cool. of it. You can see it free on like any streaming service. Pretty much, you can you can watch that. Um, they put it. Up oh, there so you can just sign up for a free account and yeah, it. like if you have Hulu or if oh, you have okay. Amazon Prime or if you have, I think even on like YouTube TV, maybe you can watch it right now. Um, or at least you could in June. Maybe it stopped in July, but through the month of June, I think it was on. It was on everything for free because it is it is culturally relevant right now, and they did. I love that HBO did that. That was really a smart way to do things. Smart business move, but also a cool thing, you know, for them to do. Gosh. So Regina King, man. Regina oh King is gosh. great. Oh, Jeremy so Irons is fantastic. Oh. Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could go on and on about the performances and, and, uh, yeah. and all that. The, the special effects are fantastic. The whole, the cinematography, like it, it's better than the movie, you know, it's mm. oh, uh, for sure. It's, yeah. it's yeah. the best Watchmen thing to ever come out. And, um, it's fantastic. I just wanted to throw that back out there for the listener. If you haven't watched it, it's super relevant right now, just in terms of the subject matter and kind of the stuff we're going through as a society, but also it's really good. So check that out. Mm -hmm. And we like good stuff around here. Yeah. Well, this has been good, man. I got a lot. I got a list of stuff, man, to check out. I got, got to check out this no filter book, this Frank, the voice book. I'm excited about those excited to, Kind of dive into that Netflix series with the wife, Brian, and, and get that. Mm-hmm. Unsolved Mysteries just got rebooted, too, on Netflix. Let me check that yeah. out. But I was a big fan yeah. of that back in the day. Love me some Thank mo- goodness for good TV right now. We, we still, Oh, man. Looks like we're about to be in another period where we're going to need I know Netflix probably had, like, stuff planned. I mean, Tiger King was perfect timing for them, you know? But, yeah, like, big if I were them, I would be, like, rushing some of this stuff out of there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of these true crime, yeah. like water cooler type shows because they have a chance to really dominate that that area sure. especially in the summer when there's not a lot of new stuff coming out but all right thank you so much for listening to this hopefully you checked out the artemis Fowl episode that brian did hopefully you checked out the king of staten island richard did next week we've got hamilton talk it's coming out on disney plus so if you've seen the broadway play or musical if you've seen uh, the movie that's that's movie version that's coming out on disney plus that's what we'll be talking about next week i've never seen hamilton uh, you know, I've, I've heard some of the songs, but I, I know what to expect. But I've never seen it, so I'm very excited to see it for the first time and and give my first impressions of that. So look forward to that next week, and hopefully we'll have some new movies to to break down as the summer continues. But if not, we'll try and make Someday. it entertaining. Someday. But you can find us online at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and find Brian at Beagle Twelve on Twitter. All his writing is on the the old website there. Richard Barden is at Richard Barden. I'm at Kent Garrison, and we are at Mad About Movies on Twitter as well. Let us know your recommends. We got our re- weekly recommends channel in the, in the Discord. If you're a VIP, you can drop recommends in there and discuss them at will. So hopefully you'll do that and join us over there on that feed. But hopefully we'll see you soon at the cinema. Goodbye, y'all. See you.